Welcome to season four of Exploring the Prophetic. We are on a journey of spiritual curiosity to see how God's voice can impact us and the world around us. I interview guests from every walk of life and background about how their relationship with God and hearing His voice has given them different opportunities and breakthrough experiences. This season, I'm also asking every guest how they got through a time when they thought they had heard from God or they received a prophetic word from someone else that didn't happen and how God helped them to resolve that. Come join our conversation on Exploring the Prophetic, starting now. Welcome to Exploring the Prophetic today. My guest is going to be Sean Gaby, who's a pastor up in Canada. But when I first met him, he was on this radical prophetic journey where he was training people right out of his salvation in how to hear God's voice. He had dreadlocks, and he was crazy in his eyes, just how he would go anywhere, do anything. And he so inspired me because it was real faith. It wasn't just new believer faith. It was like real faith. And he was seeing things that just are so uncommon and imparting the faith to us, including myself. And then I was able to go after he became a pastor of a church with his wife, Michelle, I was able to go to the church many times. And one of the particular times that I went, he was doing a Daniel school of ministry, which is kind of a boot camp for prophetic ministry. And we had people from, you know, Hillsong type churches there and people from charismatic churches and all kinds of churches in his region in Ottawa. And I was so inspired by the gathering he was able to bring together of really mature believers who were so hungry and wanted to go deeper. And that's who he is. He can gather people and help them to go really deep and hearing God's voice. And he's going to share some of his story of how he came out of a very intense life into the kingdom and how his life in ministry started right away and how he's been leading in ministry and being a leading voice of the prophetic in Canada ever since. You're going to love his story. He's not only a, a pastor, of course, and a prophetic voice, leads a ministry school, but he also is a realtor as well. He went into mainstream marketplace because he wanted to impact in the marketplace as well. So we're going to talk to him about that and just how God led him in that journey. But you're going to really love this because we're having these conversations with people like Sean, because I know it inspires you to say, I can do that. I can hear God that way. I'm going to go after God. I'm going to learn to listen the way that Sean listens. So you're going to have two Sean's today, not just one. We're going to have a great show. Come join us. Hey, my fellow explorers, we have a brand new book out. And if you've ever been given a word that you're a Joseph, an Esther, a Solomon, or a Daniel, you need to learn how to hear God the way that they did. You need to have that place inside of you that connects to God, that can believe for his solutions on the world today and for his problem solving ability, his wisdom, his strategy. And so we've written this book called Wired to Hear, and it's connecting God's voice to your career and place of influence. You are going to love this book. I want to encourage you to get it today. My friend Bob Hassan, who does Exploring the Marketplace with me and myself, wrote this to take you on a journey of how to succeed in your place of career with God's voice and with connection to Him. Visit Bowles Ministries today and look up Wired to Hear or go to any bookstore you know and you should be able to find Wired to Hear. But get it, review it, and share it with someone else. Oh, Exploring the Prophetic is going to be good today because you have not one Sean, but two Sean's. <laughs> you have me and Sean Gaby. Sean, I'm so glad you're on today. We've been friends for a long time. And I haven't hosted you on my podcast yet, which is almost a disservice to my audience because you're so awesome. And you have the greatest stories. So I'm so glad to have a Canadian friend right wow. now on the show. <laughs> How are Your things going? Canadian. That's right. Sammy Robinson would, would beg to differ, but it's a, it's a close, you know, it's a close tie. Awesome. So good to be with you, and I really appreciate you. And you've been a huh, huge inspiration over the years, and uh, I've appreciated all that you fostered 
even with some of the relationships that you've created over the years. And so, yeah, we're truly thankful for you and your amazing wife, Shri, and, and love your family. Vice versa. Yeah. You guys so are awesome. You're with you. Yeah, we've just for the listening audience, we've hosted a little gathering for years called Love Coalition. And, and it's just for leaders in the body of Christ to have peer-to-peer relationship. And Sean and Michelle have been coming for a lot of years. And we've taken a break over COVID. So we haven't seen you guys for now two years physically. And it's just, it's heartbreaking when we don't get to see our, our, you know, we've developed this for like 11 years. So it's heartbreaking when we don't get to see our friends. But I've been on your podcast recently. It was good just to catch up with you and just talk around that. And then also now, which is really fun. You guys are like right in the middle of, because of the COVID lockdown, right in the middle of a lot of a kind of re, what does church look like, you know, in this iteration of church and life when you can go back into services. Can you guys meet yet? Yeah. So, I mean, like we're in Ontario in Canada. And so Ontario's had it probably the worst when it comes to restrictions, lockdowns, wow. what's called stay at home orders. And so we you know, know we've come out of some of that and we're in like a, a better stage now, but all kinds of talk about fourth wave coming and all that kind of stuff. Who knows what's going to happen? We, have had a harder time planning because every time we plan something, something new happens like lockdowns or whatever, but we are planning after it's been, I think 19 months now as one of the things that my wife and I do is lead a local church here in the nation's capital on Ottawa, Ontario, which is the capital of our country. And uh, we are planning to come back in September, late September, and so we just got news of this. Wow. Like, this is like fresh within a week and a half. So we're in process right now of getting ready for that. And uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. Like I said, it's hard to plan. We don't know at, in one moment, everything yeah. can change. So that's the goal right now as it stands though. And we're excited to see what, what happens. It's really interesting because I think a lot of us who are leading in different ways, it's like we're looking for the adventure side of this of God, because so much is happening. People's adaptive energy is blown. People's compassion's blown. People's empathy is blown because of so many world events that are happening, not just national events, but world events. Politics stink in most nations right now. We have, you know, so much stuff is muddled as far as even churches where there's disunity amongst vaccination issues and stay at home orders and all these kinds of things. There's just so much division, even in the church over this. But it, to me, like when we stand as people who hear from God, I have this like beautiful rush of your kingdom's only growing God in the midst yeah. of compassion and empathy for what's hurting right now. Yeah. Wow. What are you doing? Like, what are you, and I know you're the same way. It's like, okay, God, where are you? What are you doing? What are you seeing? Which is really, I love that you're a leader in the, in the, the state, ca- I mean, the national capital, because I think it's so, you need to be there. Like people need to be there who have that hope and bring the presence of God and you move a lot in the prophetic. So I want to go back into your early story yeah. because you got saved pretty radically. When I first met you, you had dreadlocks, you were, I mean, you're still like, I don't want to use the wrong word. Like, you know, we trendy. I don't know. <laughs> you're still a very trendy person. You're just stylish. You're like, you've always been, you look more like an LA guy than a, an a, a Ottawa guy. But, uh, and Michelle, you guys just carry like excellence and you carry beauty. You carry just, but like you, when you got saved, you were also like, you came out of a pretty hardcore life. You had dreads. You were like radically preaching the gospel, going to prophetic evangelism, leading already, like within the first years of your salvation. You're already leading, like speaking all over the place, all over Canada. And I met you kind of in there somewhere and was just so impacted by your, I, I don't know what the word would be. It'd like be like zeal. You know, it's like, like what a lot of people see Todd White's carrying now. That's what you were born into carrying just this radical edge of the prophetic and evangelism and love for people and activating and equipping. And then God took that 
place of zeal and it sounds like you planted it into a local expression then also a training expression beyond that which we'll yeah. talk about but talk about your salvation because i've known you for a while i've known you right after your salvation just a few years yeah so i mean i uh, i had dreads before todd white had dreads i think yeah, you did. <laughs> i was i was i was the dreadlock itinerant guy for a while but anyways um no i um you know i grew up in a, in a broken home age of five parents divorced obviously with any divorce that anybody's ever gone through most of the time 95% of the time it's always messy oh yeah so you know as a result of that i grew up in a in a sort of a culture where i grew up very disconnected a lot of hate um mm. a lot of problems but i i wasn't really aware of a lot of that till my teen years like most most adolescents you know there i think a lot of these issues compound over the years when you're young you know, when you hit your teen years, it's like all of a sudden everything gets magnified. And I think that was my case. You know, I got in trouble with the law early on, got into drugs in grade eight, very early oh, on. That's so hard. Um, but I also, you know, my mom was an incredible praying mother, you know, and she, you know, was a, a churchgoer at the same time, dedicated. Um, wow. But in my experience of that, it was re religious. It was, I didn't, I never saw God real. I never saw the power of God. Yeah. Um, my mom single raised my sister and I. So, you know, wow. I grew up with a high respect for my mom. I think that was a huge part of my journey too, you know, um, even though I was, my sister and I were hell raisers for my mother growing up. But um, at the age of five, actually, I think, and I, I don't, no, for sure. I can't say this without a shadow of a doubt. But because of the trauma, I developed a really severe stutter. So wow. bad that I, ha I was going to speech therapy. And so like, from five all the way until I was 19, actually, I got saved, I gave my life to Jesus at 18, about to turn 19. I was just like on the cusp of turning 19. And I gave my life to Jesus. This was after like years of I was very involved in the music scene, different, you know, um, different uh, styles of music over the years. Music was my life, thought I was going to do music. The singer of one of my bands that I was in, which I thought was going to be my life, got radically saved and wanted to become this Christian band. I wanted nothing to do with it. So I backed out of the whole thing. The whole thing imploded. I went down a really, really bad path for years um, just with drugs and all kinds of stuff, just, you know, partying, all that, that whole lifestyle started dating yeah. this atheist girl. And, uh, you know, I wanted nothing to do with God. And um, it was during my 18th year, that I had an encounter, I was invited out to this event, didn't want to go to it. And I left upset, it was a Christian event, thought it was cheesy beyond belief like i didn't grow up around like the church that i grew up around was hyper hyper conservative so like okay. you know like anything that was like emotional or powerful i thought was even more wacky than what i already thought church was so mm -hmm. and i went to this event light show you know motion i left upset i'm like this is you know basically you know not my thing and in my car on one of my major highways in my 1991 golden topaz, <laughs> I had what I would call a visitation. And at that time, wow. I had no, I had no palette, no paradigm, no grid for like God being real in this way. So this was like really real for me. And it, the only way I could describe it to you was a reference of like, you know, what drugs felt like, because that was my only language, right? 
time. And it was like the atmosphere of my car changed. I didn't see anything, but I heard a voice very clear inside, like very clear. And I would call this now sort of the inner audible voice of God, very loud saying, make a choice. And it was like the atmosphere of my car changed. I could feel like physical tangible peace manifesting wow. on my body. That's the only way I could Did you know Jesus? Up. Or was that the reference? You knew it was Jesus right then? Or you just... Oh, you yeah, so when I had this encounter, it was like every hair on my, on my body stood up. It was like, I feel a tangible peace. It was like this aura, so I would call it, of peace. Yeah. When I heard those words, make a choice, it was like, you know, you're in a dream. You just know that you know that you know. Yeah. Like You can look at somebody, it's even like though they're not that person, yeah. you know they're that person. It's just like mm-hmm. a knowing. Well, when my... I heard this voice say, make a choice. It was like my inner eyes were open, so to speak. And I knew it was Jesus talking to me. And so wow. I said, I don't know what to say. I said, I'm all in, like, I'm, I'm all in like, but at that time, you got to understand too. I, I thought I was going to do music full time. So leading back to my original thing with stuttering, I had this stutter all the way until I was 19 years old. So I got saved. I just turned 19 right after that. I went into a six month season of like radical pursuit of God. I said, you know, I said to God, if you're that real in my car, then you're, you're you should be that real in my bedroom every day. So I would spend four to eight hours every day. Oh my gosh. The Bible in prayer and then going to the street though. So my main thing was I would take the things that I was experiencing in my bedroom for six months and I would take it to the street, the grocery store, the coffee shop, wherever I was, I was like, God, make this practical for me. I want to share about what's happening. I didn't wow. know the Romans road. I didn't have theology. I didn't, I couldn't even describe to you like yeah. the depth of my salvation, but I knew I went from darkness to light. And so in that experience, back real fast before you go there, cause I'm going to go back to the Jesus part yeah. as far as knowing Jesus is visiting. You feel this peace that changed your life. And then talk about like what you were experiencing in those 48 hours that caused you want to want to go out to the street. Like, what was he like? What were you experiencing? Was he speaking to you? Were you feeling that same presence? Like, I mean, that's pretty 18 years old experiencing that level of who God is. That's yeah, so, yeah. And totally. And so like what, I guess like just to, to go back there for a second. Yeah. Like I would spend sometimes it would be four hours straight, just studying the word eight hours straight, studying the word. And at some point during the day, um, and all the prayer was a part of this worship was a part of this. At some point in the day, I'd be like, okay, God, I got to bring this. I'm like, in, I'm getting filled up. And I didn't even wow. have language for like why I should do it. Cause I'm being a good steward of like, you know, my relationship. Yeah. But like, I just wanted to go and share the encounters that I was having in my bedroom. So maybe one day, like I'm overwhelmed with like love for people and God is speaking to me and I'm bawling my eyes out. So I want to go out now and share this experience that I'm having. And in that journey, I started to pursue the voice of God though. So I would be like, okay, God lead me. I'm reading about healing. Like I'm going to pray for healing. I'm reading about you speaking to your people, speak to me and I want to do it. So I would say whenever I teach on the prophetic, I always say this the beginning, I learned to hear the voice of God mainly on the street doing it, not in the church. Uh, But the church that I was a part of at the time, even after I gave my life to Jesus, I like didn't even mention Holy Spirit. So like this was not part of the culture. So I was digging in holes that nobody was digging in at the time in my sphere. And so it was very new to me. But in the midst of all this, just to go back to the center part of it, because this is a huge part of the story, is that I would say to all of my friends, 
I'm never going to speak. Like speaking is not my thing. Communication is not my thing. I'm not going to speak behind a mic three months or not even three months. It was like, it was two months into my journey with God. After I gave my life to Jesus, I got baptized. Mm. And in the church I was at where I got baptized, we used to share stories. We used to like speak for like five, 10 minutes, share our like salvation story. Right. So I was freaking out because I would go into like hyper anxiety when I'd be in public settings on a mic or like doing a speech or whatever, because I didn't want to stutter. And so I would, I was praying for hours and hours and hours. And on my baptism, God healed me of the stutter. God loosed my tongue and I, I never stuttered again. And so that was a huge part of my journey. Cause like, it was like the whole Moses thing. Like I felt like I can't do this and I don't feel like in my Canadian culture, like very liberal, like I never even heard the terms like interns, mentors, you know, that wasn't in my grid. So, and then ministry wasn't in my grid. I just was doing it without knowing I was doing it, if that makes sense. And so it was kind of a natural rollout of my relationship with God, the overflow versus trying to become something because I had no reference point for it other than like, no, I mean, it sounds like evangelist. It was such a pure, and I remember meeting you back after it was a little ways after, but it was such a pure season of just God saying, I want Sean. I want him and I'm, I'm going to train him and I'm going to, it was so special. And just like you knew things at a level that pe- people in our peer circle would be in a green room and you'd be talking about something that other people in their fifties had never thought of or, or couldn't perform or couldn't think, you know, couldn't originate. And it was really special to see that. And I loved watching you through the years. One of the things I love watching is that when you transition into actually, we're going to start a church because you were doing itinerary ministry. I mean, I remember seeing your book table and you had 30 lessons on one you know, gift of the Holy Spirit, hearing God's voice. And then you had so much stuff on your table and you were just, you know, so young in the ministry and you applied that same energy and said, no, we're going to go do this as well. We're going to, you know, we're going to train and equip churches, but we're also going to do this. What was that transition like? Because now you're married at that point and talk about that some. So, yeah, I think um, I have to give credit to, you know, in the beginning when I first wrote my first course, that was in 2004. Um, I started doing it in a house with people that had been walking with Jesus longer than I'd been alive. And that was my <laughs> baptism. That was like my whole life too. Yeah. yeah. That was my baptism of fire. I mean, I had little papers. This is back before like YouTube was a thing. Like there was no YouTube prophets yet. Like you know, everybody's yeah. in ministry now. Right. But like back then yeah. I was just like me editing my own audio, bunch of papers, handing them out to my student, my students that all knew God more than I did really, but I was teaching <laughs> on the prophetic, you know, and, and then I would take them to the street for three days straight and we'd wow. go activate the stuff. And honestly, that was the beginning stages. That was 13 people. And then from that space, like I can't even tell you all the different things that took place in that time frame, but I begin to get opportunities to teach this around the world. And in fact, I did more things internationally in the beginning than I did in my own country. And I don't know why that happened that way, but Patricia wow. King eventually became yeah. a huge part of my journey in that. Um, she began to support me. She began to, you know, kind of take me under her wing a little bit. Um, she even at one point tried to hire me, move down to Arizona to help lead some of her outreach stuff. But she ended up giving us her Canadian charitable organization at the time, which we then, which we then changed into what is now kingdom culture, which is our whole itinerant ministry, which also houses our local church community. 
Um, and that's the legal entity. She gave us the legal entity because I was wow. traveling as a sole proprietor for years without a legal charitable organization. She actually was a huge part of that part of the journey. So, you know, I'm, I'm indebted to like a lot of spiritual mothers, fathers out there that have helped support along the way and come alongside yeah. of us. And, uh, I feel like I'm, I'm where I am now because of a lot of that, but um, does that answer your question? I think that was, it does, it. but I'm going to go back into the story as far as where your heart and where you, where yeah. you were at. Like, think about when you actually were kind of transitioning and saying, we're going to have uh, an organization that houses a local church. Like what was God showing you about Canada? What was God showing you about the itinerary ministry? Because you, you took this very special fire, this very special season of encounter that you were leading other people into. And all of a sudden God brings people like Patricia King, who's awesome, who's just helped so many people emerge. But God brings people like her, like you said, to you, and they recognize it. But in your spirit, it was happening, even autonomous from all of us who were, you know, coming into your life. Like I remember meeting Faye and she's like, you got to meet Sean Gaby, other people who are like, this guy's amazing. And, uh, and you are. And so it was just really beautiful. What was happening in your spirit? What was Jesus showing you? Yeah, I think for the, you mean for the church stuff specifically, right? Like Just for your whole ministry. Yeah, 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 yeah. Well, I think in the beginning, like I felt like organically, um, I didn't feel like God had ever given me in the very beginning, like a glimpse into what I was supposed to do. I was just mm-hmm. being faithful with what I knew was in front of me. And that was yeah. the starting point for me was tr- the training schools and the outreach. So I knew what I had to offer was training people in the area of the voice of God, which I had spent lots of time developing, um, and then bringing people to a place where they would activate on the street. So I knew I had that to offer. And then organically, things started to unfold where I'd be invited to conferences, churches, different things started to happen organically on TV. I started doing a lot of media stuff very early on. I think that also was a huge um, turning point for me, um, as well, where God began to give me now an insight into what ministry or the ministry call over my life would look like in the future. And so that began to unfold. And then it wasn't until 2009, where I came on to an already existing local church, kind of like, it was kind of at the beginning, volunteer staff, part-time staff, whatever as an itinerant, I came on to start a young adult movement. Uh, there was no young adults in the church at the time that I, where I was attending. <laughs> there was so like of course, five. let's start from zero. Yeah, there was five. I think there was five total in the whole community. So we started it. It grew from five to 200 and almost basically wow. a year. It was like really booming. And, and in Canada, that's a pretty big deal. Um, and so from that space, though, the senior leader asked us to become the associate and then take over the whole entire community and enter into a transition. That transition happened two and a half years earlier than planned. We ended up taking over the local community um, and then began to build, you know, um, two and a half, three years into that, we were experiencing amazing growth. And then we lost our building to Costco and had to start all over again, basically have to basically had to plan all over again, start from scratch. But in all of that space though, I think to answer your question really is God began to speak to me about the value of developing culture Mm. and not just sowing into other people's fields. I think as an itinerant, it's like you sow in other people's culture and that's great. You know, you encourage like what Paul did, you encourage, you strengthen, but God started to speak to me about the value of 
developing a culture that we would cultivate consistently over time and that we would do both. But there was a big difference between being an itinerant and being like a spiritual of the community. I mean, you know this because you did this and you've done it, you know? And so um, I started to see the value of that. And I had to go through a growing process, man. Like, I mean, going from an itinerant, like finding honestly like i've grown a lot obviously finding validation from certain things that would happen in a meeting to now like i'm walking with people through their mess like itinerants don't do that (laughs) you know and so this taught me a lot about like the fathering part of god taught me a lot about like real leadership and shepherding and like investing in people's life in the area of actually discipling them not just training them in their gifts not just like accenting their their gifts and their supernatural gifts you know because i remember a girl who came to our church when we first starting the first two years and she was an itinerant and she was very celebrated from the the ministry she had come from one of the big three ministries that would be in our movement and she comes in after three or four months and she's just frustrated all the time and i go i don't know what to say like you just have to pray and ask god why you're frustrated because i can't help you like we're we're just trying to keep our our heads above the water just you know building community and so she, all of a sudden, she, she goes into worship time because we, we're in a service and she comes back and she goes, can I share something from the platform? I said, sure, but, but let it be out of a good heart. <laughs> you know, like she was discouraged. So she gets up on the platform and she says, I have been uh, inheriting everyone else's culture that they've built after 20 and 30 years. I've come from mo- a movement that has a hundred year legacy. And I'm, I'm projecting on our small community that just started in one of the hardest cities in the nation that we should be further along than we are. And instead of being willing to build the culture with this team, I've been persecuting them and, and hurting their, you know, their building process by, by expecting maturity, by expecting everybody to be great. And I commit that I'll be one who will build the culture from the beginning as opposed to expecting to inherit it from the end. Wow. And then she goes, who's with me? And like, literally, like we have people who are still part of the church who took a stand that night and said, you know what? I can do this. I can pioneer and they didn't see themselves as pioneers. They wanted to be a settler in a, in a house that was already totally developed. But they were like, I'll help pioneer culture. And it was like really a line in the sand from people who love the Holy Spirit and love his gifts. But realizing when you're building a local community, the gifts are part of building that community, but they're not the center of it. Yeah. They might even be a foundation of it, but they're not like the everyday, they're not the most felt need all the time. But they are a catalyst for those felt needs so many right. times. And it was really a, a line in the sand for our community. Our community changed after that dramatically. And I love that your, your ministry is called Kingdom Culture because you train people to do that. And, you're, and I can imagine after even inheriting a whole, a whole church and ministry, how it was hard to rebuild the culture the way that God showed you and transition that ship. I mean, that must have been such a challenge. I think rebuilding, I think, sometimes feels harder because you have to tear down a lot. Yeah. And that's hard. And it's painful for a lot of people because change the majority of the time people don't like change no matter how much they say they do when change happens yeah they have to change with the change like it's very challenging because we get comfortable and like you said we become settlers yeah and i think i think in a body that's growing we all have to have at some level like the spirit of a pioneer because pioneers <laughs> always have to pivot always have to change always have to adapt and so yeah, I, I agree. And I think it was a very hard, like the, the the church part of, I'd say like my leadership journey probably has been the most painful, like wow. in the sense of, but it's produced the most purpose. It's produced mm-hmm. the most power. It's produced the most like, 
I wouldn't trade it for the world, but cause you're dealing with people like, like it's different, right? Like when you're traveling yeah. and you're sowing seeds in someone else's field, like the, the people that are leading that culture in that field, like they deal with the people. Yeah. But when you're doing your own field, it's a whole different game. People say to me like, and I don't want to be insensitive here, but it's like, you know, people will often say, you know, you don't know what I've been through in the church. Like people that come to church, right? Like I've been from church to church. I've been like, you know, hurt and, you know, I've been in some way like abused and all that kind of stuff. And I honestly, I say sometimes, you know, honestly, I think I've been more abused by the church than, <laughs> than everybody in my church. It's you a know? hard thing of a very real. Yeah. Yeah. It's real. It's like, yeah. I call it, it's like PTSD, pastoral, <laughs> stress, pastoral trauma, stress, you know, what's it disorder. It's like yeah. after a while, it's like you, you, it's, you go through stuff, right? And you get abused, you get hurt, but you keep loving because it's your call. You keep investing because it's part of leadership. 101 is, you know, you're an investor, you know, yeah. and yes, we need to receive as leaders and be healthy. But at the same time, like when you're primarily an investor in a community and a culture, there's lots of challenges that come with that. And, uh, but I wouldn't trade it for the world. I'm so thankful. Tell, tell me this, this is a kind of a final on that is, um, cause it's so, so authentic and so real. What's one of the, cause you're, you're so developed in the prophetic. What's one of the areas that God spoke to you or encountered you about being a pastor that, that is sustaining to you? Like what's one of the words, it could be a scripture or a time that he visited you or encountered you that makes you say this, you're worth it here, God, you're worth, you're worth surrendering even for this. So I would say that I would say I answer that in a twofold way, because I mean, I, I wasn't prepared to think about something like this is like a deep question. And I have to comb back through like major key moments, yeah. I would say two ways, I would say, one, um, along the journey, I had many, many encouragements, um, prophetic words, comforts to keep me solid you know, like I'm sure you would have as well, you know, over the years, you know, many people, it's like the compounded interest effect of all these different people that have yeah. spoken into your future, spoken into your destiny, for sure that. But then second to that, in 2013, it was the summer of 2013, I believe it was, I was walking in the parking lot. And this was actually only one year a little over one year, no, actually one year exactly almost since Michelle and I were like senior leading the local mm. community. Okay. It was yeah. one year. And so 2013, I was walking in the parking lot behind my church. You've actually been to that location. You were there yeah. like years ago. It was a commercial building and we had a skate park behind the building and I was walking near the skate park and it was during a school of Daniel that you've actually also spoken at. It was during a school, it was during a break time. And I'm walking and I have this open vision of God ripping. It was like, a, I saw a hand and I felt it was God's hand ripping off the big toenail off of a big toe. Wow. And, and I heard these words. I heard these words. You're about to go through a season of great loss, but it would be the, but it would become and be the greatest preparation for gain that you will ever experience. And I said to my wife, I turned to her, I said, listen, I don't know what this means, like, but I think we're about to go through some major loss. And that year was the on-ramp into the beginning of some of the most major painful loss yeah. uh, as a ministry, 
as a culture that we begin to experience. But all of that since 2013, now it's been like almost 10 years. Uh, yeah, like almost nine years, I guess, since that point. Um, I would look back at that word. And every time I feel like I'm going through loss and I feel like I question my call, I feel like I question, am I cut out for this? I think about the gain. I think about how wow. God prunes as a father things back so more growth can happen. And now I welcome it. Yeah. And, and it's odd. And I don't want to, I'm not like theologically saying we need to like pray for suffering or pray for welcome for, for loss, but I almost no, welcome it because I know like God, if you're, if you're, if things are shifting, and sifting, I know that you're preparing me. So my attitude, whenever I go through a hard time now, I lean back on that word, which got me through hell, like literally got me through hell. Because, you know, as an itinerant person, still of mentality, right? Like, you, 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 you grow up in a culture of itinerants, maybe you, you know, this too, like you experience this too, like, where you measure success a certain way. Mm -hmm. And I had to go through a major identity crisis from an itinerant to a pastor, where I no longer measured what kingdom success was based upon my previous itinerant track record. I had to measure it in a healthy God way. And I didn't realize I wasn't measuring it that way. I'm just being completely honest. Like, and I went through an identity reshaping loss that I'm still carrying forward today. And I look back at that word and like that word has saved me and it still saves me. I still think about it all the time. And so I was saying, I was just in Alberta recently and I kept saying this phrase over and over again when I was speaking, I said, when you add faith into your pain, you find purpose. Yeah. When you can put faith perspective in the midst of loss, pain, challenge, suffering, trial, and you can see by faith what God is doing, even though your natural eyes can't see it, but you can see with the eyes on the inside, we walk by faith, not by sight. We, we all of a sudden begin to see the purpose behind the pain or the purpose within the pain. Wow. And I think... Wow. That connects back to this word I had in 2013, which has really shaped the core of my leadership. That's so good, Sean. Thank you so much for sharing that. How do people get a hold of just kingdom culture and get a hold of your messages? And I mean, I know some people are going to hear this and say, I need to hear the messages that were birthed out of this. I know there has been some. So how do people get a hold of you? Yeah, I think uh, one, I'd, I'd say first, follow me on Instagram at Sean Gaby. That definitely will help lead back to everything else. Um, you can check our website out, kingdomculture.ca, seangaby.com. Check out our our Supernatural Leadership podcast. on It's on Charisma, on Spotify, iTunes, all the plat- uh, Google Play. Um, that really, that podcast really is a platform where we focus on helping, very similar to what you're doing, Sean, helping... Uh, people from all walks of life, uh, life make their super na- make their leadership more supernatural, and specifically yeah. in the marketplace. And so, if you want to get connected to some of the core teaching or the training that we are doing, visit that, subscribe to that podcast. And as well, one little thing too is that we're in the middle of launching a whole school online platform, and it's probably going to be launched yes. this whole end of September, early October. That's the goal. And so it's going to be, um, you know, a little bit of a soft launch as we move forward. But I know, Sean, you've been a part of that. And uh, you've, you've been a huge, you know, giving us good advice on how we are to go about doing that. But we've this has been so two years now. So it's going to launch soon. <laughs> God willing, it's going to launch soon. Well, no, we're so, I'm so excited for you. I'm so, I love how you share. I love how you're vulnerable. I love how you're in it, that you're, you're faithful, you're steady. 
even a rock for, you know, so many other pastors and leaders and so many people in your church and people at your itinerary that and the whole thing. You've just been a rock. So I'm so glad you have all those materials. Thanks for being on today. Thanks for sharing. Thank you so much for having me, man. It's my, it's my pleasure. It's an honor. Do you want to be mentored in hearing God's voice? It's not hard, but it takes time, examples, practice, and conversations to really get in the place of being able to get revelation and also to know how to interpret and reply what God's showing you. I have started an online community through our platform, Transiting God Mentoring, where you receive weekly videos, weekly live group mentoring, monthly special events, and all of our past e-courses on the gifts, marriage, and relevant topics to your spiritual journey. Come join me and all my platform contributors to learn how to walk out a thriving journey of hearing God. Thanks for listening to Exploring the Prophetic, part of the Exploring Series podcast. These podcasts are made possible by generous donations of listeners just like you. Become a partner or visit us at bullsministries.com with your one-time donation today. Also, if you are enjoying the podcast, please become a part of our family by subscribing. Connect to us at www.bullsministries.com where we want to resource you with our articles, books, weekly mentoring, e-courses, and more or download our Bulls app free at our web store. We love to hear your feedback. Drop us a line and also your rating, reviewing, and sharing makes such a difference in the world for people learning about us. Thanks for listening.